The first reading is from Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 27. Um, the context is that Peter and the apostles had been preaching and healing people and they'd been put into jail overnight and an angel of the Lord let them out of jail and told them to go back and start preaching again in the marketplace. And once the council and, and the Sanhedrin found out, they went and got them. And this is them before the council. When they had brought them, they had made them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and saviour, so that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And the second reading is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. The walk to Emmaus. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. In a moment, we'll, we'll, we'll pray, but you'll see on, on, on your handout this morning, you'll see right at the beginning of it, three questions that I want us to, to, to think about the, this morning. You'll see the first two are pretty much, well, they're yes or, or, or no answers. It might be, I, I don't know, but it's pretty much yes or, 
yes or no. Is Jesus expecting me to talk regularly to non-Christians about him? Might I expect to face some difficulty for doing this? The third question might, is, is a bit more makes us think about, well, what tools should I have in my toolkit, if you like, to be an effective conversationalist for, for Jesus? And other things, what, what, might it import, what might it be important to know? I want us to just, just think about those, those three questions this morning as I go through what, what I'm going to say. So shall we pray? Lord, would you open the scriptures to us this morning as we read your written word and hear this spoken word. May we see above all the living word, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our saviour. In his name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered which group of people in our world today, you know, which group of people is it in our world today are the most persecuted? Whether in terms of, of ethnicity, whether in terms of, of religion, whether in terms of gender, whether in terms of sexuality, have you ever thought which group of people is, is the most persecuted in our world? Let me tell you, according to, to the UK government, the most persecuted group of people in the world today are Christians. In a recent letter that I've seen from, from Jeremy Hunt, the UK Foreign Secretary, 245 million Christians worldwide are persecuted for believing in, in Jesus Christ and thousands upon thousands of them just die every year because of their faith. When we think about what, hap- what happened in Sri Lanka, there are apparently 47 countries where it is worse to be a Christian than something like Sri Lanka itself. It just gives us a glimpse, if you like, into the widespread persecution that, that Christians face that we see from the, the book of Acts was, was nothing new. You see, just like Sunday's attacks last week, they were kind of coordinated to make sure that it happened on Easter Day. It was that same resurrection of Jesus Christ that was the reason why the early church was being persecuted. And for the early church, the the central teaching of the resurrection was this. It wasn't kind of like, well, is it true? It's we believe it's true. It was like this. We believe something has happened that's changed the world, so we're going to tell everyone about it. It wasn't a case of, is it true or, or, or not true? It was a case of, this has happened. We believe it's so important. We believe history has changed and the world has changed, and we're going to tell you about it. So just like in Lent, when we were walking up to Lent, we were looking at what are the characteristics that mark out a Christian during the approach of looking at the way of the cross. What are the characteristics that we should expect to find? Now, during this Easter season, we're going to look at some of those characteristics that marked out the early church in terms of how the resurrection shaped and impacted and directed all of their lives. And today, we're going to look at this whole idea of being a witness in verse 32 there. And when I talk about being a witness, I mean in terms of talking. That's what I mean. I mean, talking Jesus. You see, for them, nothing got in the way of this. 
Nothing whatsoever. If you've ever read the book of Acts, or if you don't know anything about the book of Acts, it's the story of the beginning and the growth of the church. And it's a book full of vibrancy, full of life, full of excitement. But what you also find is that it's full of suffering. It's full of torture. It's full of persecution. It's full of death. And the two went together. That as the church started out on the day we now know as Pentecost, basically, straight away, the church was persecuted. And so you have these two things going together. And that carried on for nearly four centuries. It was Constantinople, wasn't it? If you know your early church history or any history, it was Constantinople that made Christianity popular. But for those first few centuries, it was, as Tertullian would say, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that was what it was like in those first few centuries. And here we see it. Here we see it in this passage in Acts. We see how Julie so eloquently summarized what was going on in far better words and far quicker than I could have done, basically. What was going on? And they're in conflict with the religious Jewish authorities. And here they go. Why are you doing this? And in verse 29 they say, We must obey God rather than any human authority. We must obey God rather than any human authority. That was what put them into conflict. We must obey God rather than any human authority. Hear me well on this, as the late John Stott wrote, to be sure Christians are called to be conscientious citizens and generally speaking to submit to human authority. Of course we are, and there's plenty of references in the New Testament for that. But if the authority concerned misuses its God-given power to command what he forbids, or forbid what he commands, then the Christian's duty is to disobey the human authority in order to obey God's. And then I found another commentator then added, and bear the cost of doing so. That was the situation facing the apostles. Stop talking Jesus or face the consequences. And they faced the consequences because they couldn't stop talking Jesus. They had to obey God rather than man. Just like men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer did in the last century during the Second World War, like Martin Luther King did in the 60s, as thousands of Christians still do today, every year. And they face the consequences. In some ways, we get a glimpse into that because the word witnesses in verse 32 is the Greek word martures. It comes from the Greek root word martura, which of course is where the English word martyr comes from. We get an immediate sense straight away of the costs associated, of, if you like, talking Jesus, of being a witness. One that I'm sure we'd like to avoid. But we also read in verse 32 there that there's another witness who, who talks Jesus, namely the Holy Spirit. He was the one who was enabling the apostles to do and to talk Jesus. They couldn't do it in their own strength. Just like the Holy Spirit is the one who equips thousands and thousands of Christians 
all around our world to, to keep going and to keep talking Jesus amidst the persecution that they face. Just like he's the one who equips us to talk Jesus and to be able to do that. Just as Jesus himself said to the disciples in Luke's gospel that he would be doing that. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what you ought to say. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're just out of the blue someone asks you a question about Jesus and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to answer that? And all of a sudden something comes into your mouth and you know it's not you. Because, well, I know it's not me because I'm not clever enough to think of that. And I just think, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who gives Peter this, this equipping. Remember Peter as he was, and there he is behind, before the Jewish ruling council. And he talks Jesus. And he's pretty blunt at talking Jesus as well. Have you seen this? Have you seen what he written? What he wrote? I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend this today, but that was the context in which he was living. You know, what does he want to tell them about Jesus? You know, he wants to tell them this. Look at it in verse 30. You killed him. There's the first bit. Here's the second bit. God brought Jesus back to life. And here's the third bit. Now say sorry for your sin. That's pretty hell and damnation, isn't it? I mean, you killed him. God brought Jesus back to life. Now say you're sorry for your sin. Here's what I'll guarantee you. I think I put the references in the handout. If you go and read Acts 2 when you go home, if you go and read Acts 3, and if you go and read Acts 4, you'll notice that that was not an isolated incident. That that was the, the message that in particular they spoke, not just to the Jewish leaders, but they spoke it to the people of the day. You killed Jesus. God brought him back to life. Now say sorry. For your sin. And so, when we start to think about, well, what does that look like for us today? Remember the, the first question that a Jew would ask about any passage of Scripture, which therefore should be the first question that we should ask about any passage of Scripture, is this. What does God want me to do with this, this morning? What does God want me to, to do with it? And in one sense, it's, it's straightforward, isn't it? He wants us to, to talk Jesus. Talk Jesus irrespective, irrespective of, of what might happen. But I find, though, through my own experience, that three barriers have to be overcome for that to happen. Why, who, and how? Why, why talk Jesus? I mean... Why talk Jesus when, if you've listened to me for the last 10 minutes, I've just kind of told you that it's going to probably cost me some pain. I'd like a bit of comfort, please. Why should I go through the pain barrier? It's hard enough just to kind of sometimes walk through my door at home and be a Christian. Or it's hard enough just to walk through the office tomorrow morning or into work tomorrow and just be a Christian. Because the pain might not be physical, it's far more subtle, isn't it? The pressures to conform, the fun or ridicule that might come our way, the soundbite 
labeling accusations that people jumped on the bandwagon with about what Christians are like. And it is hard. Yet actually what I also know is true is that actually two-thirds of all Christians describe Christians as friendly people. Often we, we don't want to talk Jesus because sometimes we think the, the pain or the subtlety will, uh, or the effects will be far greater than what they actually are. And maybe for some of us it's, well, why do I need to talk Jesus? You know, I can just do a lot of good things in my life. I can just do a lot of good deeds in my life and I can let my good deeds do, do the talking. And I used to think that for years. I used to think that, so I'm like, well, I'll just let my good deeds do, do my talking. You see, and I'd succumb to one of the biggest myths that I think Christians succumb to today, that we think actions alone are enough and words are necessary. And often what gets quoted at this time is, is kind of sort of like St. Francis of Assisi and it kind of goes something like this and use your actions and when you don't, actions aren't good enough, use words. You know, here's why it's not true. Because it assumes all Christians are kind and it assumes all non-Christians are not kind. Now, I don't know about you, but I think both of those statements are, are, are not true. That's, what, that's just what, what I think, basically. You know, I think if you just think about the, the, the charity sector in this island, if you think about how many charities there are in, in, in this island, and yes, I do believe that the charity sector in this island is underpinned by Christians, and if Christians stopped doing charity work, the charity sector in this island would completely collapse. But what I also know is true is this. There are thousands of people in this island who don't claim to follow Jesus Christ who do good works. There are thousands of them. That's why that statement isn't true. You know, the biggest thing that Christians have to talk about is Jesus. The apostles knew it, and that's why they couldn't stop talking Jesus. And they talked Jesus for one simple reason. The only reason. Love. As the Apostle Paul said, for the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that those who might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. That's the reason. Just love. His love, if you like, compels us, but we're convinced of the difference that Jesus' death and resurrection makes to anyone's life. As Justin Welby said recently, the best decision anyone can make at any point in their life, at any circumstance, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever they are, is to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's no better decision for a human being to make in this life. The barrier of why Then there's the barrier of who. Well, who do I tell? And that way, the who follows the why. If love is our reason why, then then we talk Jesus to the people we love. 
Because if it's anything other than love, what happens is kind of we just treat people as projects rather than people. It's one of the biggest criticisms, isn't it, of of non-Christians. And one of the biggest mistakes, I think, of the church in the past maybe 30, 40, 50 years is they've given the impression that the only thing that they're interested in when it comes to non-Christians is converting them. And it's a real barrier. Of course, the who can be, the longer we've been a Christian, the who can be more and more difficult, can't it? Because the longer we've necessarily been a Christian, the less non-Christians we, we truly know. And then it involves a bit of a change of lifestyle. The barrier of why, the barrier of who, and then there's the barrier of how, isn't there? Because the main barrier to talking Jesus when it comes to how is, is fear. The fear, perhaps, of what people might think of us but also the fear of not knowing what to say. And so you may remember, you may not remember, 21 months ago now, I introduced you to this acronym called SHARE. And SHARE stands for different words that I think kind of every Christian should be able to kind of have, if you like, in their toolkit to to talk Jesus if you like. I've kind of refreshed the acronym as 21 months have gone by, but kind of the same principles hold. And what I thought I'd do is I'd kind of talk about share in this way. Rather than talk about it in terms of a series of tools that you might put in a toolkit, I had a bit of fun on Friday night and yesterday and went to the sweet shops. God, it was hard getting hold of these sweets. I just want you to know this. But I thought... You know, if, if talking Jesus is, is meant to be such a great, good thing to do, and if it's something that we should give away, I kind of thought, well, well, what sort of sweets would I have in my sweet bag to kind of give away if I was going to talk Jesus? And as, and as I do this, you might want to think, oh, well, what sweets might I have in my sweet bag to, to, to talk Jesus? So I kind of thought, okay, then, here we go, what's in there? So, what was that, Wendy? Smarties. I'm not that smart, but um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's in here anyway. Here's the first one. The first one that's in there is a love heart. And the reason that the love heart's in there is because... It reminds me of the reason why we talk Jesus, which is just the simple reason of love. So that's why, that's why the love heart's in there. But then what's the second suite that's in there? And the second suite that's in there is another love heart. Why is the two love hearts in, in here? Well, it, it's quite simple, if you like. You know, when you, you know what a bog off is, don't you? You know, you go into the supermarket and you see this thing that says, buy one, get one free. Well, I don't think the Holy Spirit's ever been described as a buy one, get one free, but I'm sure he's going to forgive me because he's the one, isn't he? He's the gift of love that God has given to each one of us who, who, who kind of to help us 
to equip us to, to talk Jesus. So I've got to have the two love hearts in there. One, because the first one's telling me, uh, reminding me that it's love always is the reason why we do it. But the Holy Spirit is the gift of love. The gift of love who equips us. He's the only one who enables us to do it. So I start with those two in my bag of sweets first. I better put them down because I might offer them to someone later and they might not want them after my hands have been on them. So yeah. So then I go, oh, whoops. Oh, it's another love heart. Anyone want the one that went on the floor? <laughs> so then I think, right, you can't get the bags today, can you? They're not like when you were growing up with them. They're good old sweet bags, quality bags. So then I think, right, here's the first one. It stands for the word S. And the whole word that S stands for is Story. And the suite I've used for that is this suite. It's the Jelly Baby. Now, why have I used the, the, the Jelly Baby for the S? This is the reason why I've used the Jelly Baby. You know, if you were at the Parish Hall on Remembrance Sunday last year, you might remember how, how I said how when Jelly Babies were invented, and you've got to get the proper ones, but it's still the case today. Don't get the cheap imitation ones. You've got to get the, the proper Jelly Babies. If you kind of do something disgusting, like you, you lick the, the flower off the, off the front of the Jelly Baby, you'll find that each of the different colours of the Jelly Baby has a different symbol on them. And that symbol represents, if you like, a different part of God's big story of, of, of salvation. You know, cause, and this still, it still is the case today, but you've got to get the, the real ones, the proper ones, not the fake ones. You've got to spend a bit more money. But that's what happens. That's true of life, though, isn't it? And they tell the story of God's big story of salvation. Now, if you've been in this church a few years or not, you'll have heard me explain it in different ways. The important thing isn't, doesn't matter which way you explain it. The important thing is that you can explain the story. You can explain the story of how God created the world, of what happened, of why God sent Jesus, of the difference that he makes to, your, makes to life, and so on from there. So that's why the, the jelly baby's in there. I'm going to eat that one because it's too sticky now. Then we come to the hedge. And I'm thinking, right, what suite can I put in for the H? The H stands for host. And I chose the, chose the wine gum. Because kind of like, I like a wine gum because I, th I always think it's like an inviting suite. You know, and it keeps going. And you just think about this whole idea of a host. Some of us might want to take the wine gum a different way because a good host kind of keeps supplying us with wine, don't they? Good wine. Not too much, though, basically. And so that's why I think about the wine gum. It's about thinking about, right, how inviting am I as a host of Jesus? You know, a host is intentional. They'll do that inviting They'll do that warmth. You know, when I come through that, that church door, you know, when I think about how am I thinking as a host, you know, when I'm going into my work tomorrow, am I thinking as a host about how I might get that opportunity to just talk about Jesus maybe at lunchtime or maybe in the pub after work one night. So that's the hitch. Then I come to the, then I come to the air. And the air's the mint humbug. Anyone want a mint humbug? Anyone want a mint humbug? Looks the wrapper's on, I haven't touched it. 
Sarah, there you go, catch. There you go. You go. Anyone else? I've got a second one. Richard wants a mint humbug. Now, the thing about a mint humbug is this. I chose the mint humbug. The A stands for apologetic. What that means is that you aren't saying, listen, I'm sorry. What it means is this, apologetic. It comes from the, from, from the word that Peter uses in 1 Peter 3, where it says that Christians always give a reason, always give a defense for the hope that you profess. Do it with gentleness and respect. And the word there that he uses for defense is the word apologia. And in that sense, I used a mint humbug because the thing about a mint humbug is that it's, it's hard at first, isn't it? You have to keep sucking it. And then eventually it cracks and it, there's this chewy bit in the middle, isn't there? And sometimes it can get stuck in your teeth. And that's a bit like apologetics. Because apologetics is all about saying, right, it's all about a defense. It's all about when people want to throw all those questions at you. Like, like why, why is there so much suffering in the world? And that sort of thing. Or the questions that sometimes get labeled by the scientific atheism questions or the questions of the secularist. Sometimes it's the topical moral and ethical issues and the his- that sometimes are historic as well. And it's all those sorts of questions. And they're difficult questions to have to answer. You know, someone says something and you, you know how it goes and all of a sudden you're in this situation with a group of people and they're all saying and they're all saying the same thing and you don't think necessarily it's true but you don't know what to say just like this we've all had those moments and that's why it's the mint humbug because it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to be able to work those things out for yourself you've kind of got to like a mint humbug you've got to suck on it as a sweet you've got to chew it over and think through how you'd respond and then we get to the r the r is the the chocolate eclair anyone want the chocolate eclair Anyone else want the chocolate eclair? Martin wants the chocolate eclair. There we go. Look at that. I've only got two in there. There's more in the bag down there if you want them afterwards. But Now, I know it could be a bit of cheating that some people say it's chocolate or sweet, but it's got a wrapper on, hasn't it? So I used the chocolate eclair. The reason why I chose the chocolate eclair is because it's my favorite sweet. And the R stands for reason. If you like, it's your reason, your particular reason why you're a follower of Jesus Christ, why you're a Christian. So for me, that's, if you like, my story. My story of of how I became a Christian. And, And that kind of story should normally have about three parts. For me, it's about the life before, how I grew up in the church, but how that doesn't make me a Christian. It would talk and take you back to the 17th of August, 1985, to a place just outside of York. When, when I became a Christian for the first time. And then it would go on to talk about the 35 years since and what my life has been like since then, trusting in Jesus. And then the final one is the E, which stands for evangelize, to do the work of an evangelist that we're all called, if you like, to talk Jesus. And I was thinking, and you'll be pleased with this one, and I'll shut up with it. It's the gobstopper. (laughs) And why did I choose a gobstopper? And I chose a gobstopper because of this. Because it's a conversation rather than a preach. And sometimes you can just talk Jesus and actually you can just talk too much. 
when you have to listen as well. And so that's why I chose the, the gobstopper because I thought it would be the best sweet just to finish with. So there you have it. That's what's in the, the bag of sweets when it comes to talking Jesus. I wonder what's in your bag. Let us pray. So gracious God, we just thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And may he just encourage and equip each one of us to talk Jesus, we pray. In his name. Amen.